It has been said that every person has a book within them, the story of their life, the events that shaped them, the passions that moved them, the people that influenced them, the moments that impacted them, even the faith that transformed them. And through these stories flows joy and sorrows, disappointments and delights, countless twists and turns, all interwoven to create a never-before-told, one-of-a-kind story. The story of you. It's a story still being written by you and by God, day after day, line after line, storylines, write good things. She was born in Scotland. She was the youngest of 10 children. Her father was a war vet and worked in the mines. Her mother just held an office job. And she just went off to school, but they had diagnosed her with some sort of learning disability. And so she was often bullied in school and she was made fun of. And just kind of an ordinary kid, I guess you could say, except for one thing. She could sing a little bit. And so she would kind of step into that world and sing, and that's where she would find a solace and comfort. But she was encouraged by other people to sing more, and so she actually tried to cut a CD at one time, and she sang in the church choir, and she actually went to a few little uh, uh, singing competitions there in Scotland and in England. But then her mother encouraged her to try out for Britain's Got Talent. And so she went back and forth and finally decided that she would do that, but she was really hesitant, and then her mom passed away, even though she'd been accepted as a contestant. So to honor her mom's memory, she decided to go and to, to enter into this competition. And as she walked onto the stage, I think the crowd was struck by her ordinariness. Very plain, nothing impressive about her. In fact, you can see the judges that were sitting there that day, they were just like smirks on their faces, like, how did they let this person in? And then she sang. The stunned crowd went wild, and actually the world went wild too, because within 72 hours of her audition on Britain's Got Talent, more than 2.5 million had watched it on YouTube. And Susan Boyle was a hit. Probably you've seen that audition yourself. After her experience on Britain's Got Talent, she released the United Kingdom's best-selling album of all time. She has appeared worldwide. In fact, she actually uh, sang at Windsor Castle for the Queen's uh, Jubilee celebration. She's now actually sold over 25 million albums. This little girl with a learning disorder, supposedly, a plain, ordinary 47-year-old woman who had a song in her. And that's her story. And then there was a guy who was just a farmer, son of a farmer. And I think that's probably all that he planned to be was just a farmer. He was one of several children. But as he himself described him, he was the least of the kids. He lived in a place called Orfra. And he dealt with his share of opposition. Some of it probably came from his family. But the greatest opposition that he actually faced came from the Midianites. And maybe you've heard of them. They were a warring tribe that lived back in Bible times. They were the enemy that had come into the land where this guy lived. 
and had wreaked havoc because they would come in in raiding parties and they would, they would steal from the people. They would uh, plunder their crops and they would destroy livestock and they just made a mess of things. And so the answer of this guy was to do what? To be invisible. Maybe if they don't see me, they won't mess with me. And so he would take his crop of wheat and he would go not to the threshing floor, but he would go to the wine press where he could go down below ground and he would stomp it out there with no wind to help him. But at least there would be no Midianites to bug him. And then the unthinkable happened. God showed up and gave him a visit and said, hey, I've got something for you to do. And he had a job in, in Gideon objected. He's like, no, 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 I could never do that. And yet, finally, God convinced him. And so he accepted that job, that task that God gave him, and the entire history of Israel was changed, especially in that moment, because he not only delivered Israel, he also became its greatest judge and led the nation there for decades, just an ordinary farmer. The least of his family who had a warrior within him. And so what do these two stories have in common? Her story and his story? Well, what they have in common is it's pretty much the same as your story. <laughs> no, you're saying there's no way. I can't sing. That wouldn't be my story. Or, you know, I'm not particularly brave, so that can't be my story. But you are you, and really all their stories were were just the discovery of who they were. And so we spent the last couple months here talking about just who you are. And we've been talking about the story of you because your story matters and it's powerful and it has far more potential than what you probably realize. But we started talking about this, I think, 10 weeks ago now, with the premise was this, that you probably didn't know your story all that well. Like, we're familiar with it because we have to live it, and so we get up every day and we go through life, but we really don't know what's going on in this thing that we call story. And it's kind of crazy, really, that we can spend our entire lives with ourselves and not really know that much about ourselves. And sometimes we're still saying, like, I never knew that about me. And something happens, it's like, oh, that really surprises me about me. And so we've talked about all of these things these past several weeks to help you understand who you are and what your story is. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is not so you can say, okay, now I know who I am. Now I understand what I'm like. The end goal is that you take your story and you live into the rest of it. That you take your story, whether you're a 47-year-old that nobody knows can sing, or whether you're a farmer who's hiding in the wine press, but that you live into your story. So what I want to do today as we wrap up this series is I want to give you some really, really practical things that you can try, that you can do, that will help you when it comes to telling the story of you. Now, hopefully you got one of these. It looks a lot like your bulletin, but it's just in black and white. And it says the story of, and I've crossed that out, it says the story of me versus the story of you. And it's got a little blank down there at the bottom that says by, well, that's you. So you are the one who's actually writing this story. And what I want to do as part of the message here this morning is to walk through this little tool in hopes that it will help you when it comes to telling your story. So this is the story of you. And we're going to start here with the review, which is the what. 
And it's all the factors which, and I'm speaking for you, all the factors which combined make me me. And these are the things that we've talked about here for the last several weeks in the service. But we talk about these things, your uniqueness, and the idea here is to take this guide and actually walk yourself through it. Whether mentally or even, I would suggest, grab a pen and some paper. I know there's not enough room right where the, to, to write answers with what you have in front of you. But think about these different factors that have combined to make you who you are, your uniqueness. How would you describe your natural personality? What are the things in life that you most enjoy, that, seem to be, uh, that you seem to be naturally good at, or that bring you the most satisfaction and joy? There's a good chance that God put that in you to start with because God framed you and God formed you and God crafted you to be who you are. And so you go back and you look at your uniqueness. You look at your past. What have been the most significant events in your life, both good and bad? And what made them impactful? And this is a huge category here when it comes to your story. Because we all have a past and we all have these events and some of them are real positive and hey, that's a good thing. We also have some trauma and some hard things that we've gone through, but it's helpful to us to go back and say, what exactly was that? And then another question, how would you describe the environment? This could include your family too that you grew up in. What were the messages that you heard? What were the tendencies even that you copied from what you saw around you? This is part of your story, and having a good understanding of your past is extremely important. You can look at your soul, and and part of your story is the fact that you are made in the image of God. And what are the significant spiritual moments or God moments that have happened in your life when you've seen God at work around you or God at work in you? And how has your faith affected your life? We talked about your thoughts. What are some of the things, what are some of the stories, what are some of the messages that you tell yourself most often? That little voice that's in your head that seems to be constantly talking to you, that's you talking to you. But what are those things that get repeated in your thoughts? It's worth identifying those. In your culture, this is where you live. This is the the place that you work. It's the neighborhood. It's, It's the the world that you live in, right where you happen to live, but your culture shapes your story. And you see the world through cultural eyes. You can't really avoid it. But sometimes it's good for us to go back and say, what was exactly that culture, and how did it help frame me? And sometimes culture is defined by people, too, or the groups that we find ourselves in, whether it's a family or whether it's a church or whether it's a a tribe at school. But how have those cultures for me, which carries over into this next one, which I think is really important at the top of the page there, your relationships. Your story has been tremendously impacted by the people who are in it. And sometimes we need to stop and say, okay, who were those people and how have they impacted my story? And it could be that they've impacted it in a very good way. It could be that they've impacted it in a not so good way, but we need to be aware of that. And what is your current relationship circle right now? Because it's continuing to impact your story. And then last week, we talked about your choices. And the question here is, well, what are three or four of the most significant choices that you've made in life and where have they taken you? 
But we look through all of these things because they are not just the factors that form our story. They are actually the factors that allow us to write a better or a different story from here. And so as we understand ourselves, how we act, we think, we feel, respond, those are important to know. But then it's what we do with that important or with that information that's so important. And so we're going to continue on in this guide in a moment. What I want to ask you to do is go with me to Judges chapter 6. And I want to look more specifically at the story of Gideon, which I told just a little while ago. So as you turn to Judges 6, just a little bit of context while you get there. The Israelites have left Egypt. They stall in the promised land, or excuse me, in the wilderness there for 40 years. Finally, Joshua took them into the promised land. And now after several years into the promised land, things have kind of gone downhill. God is leading the nation through, through different people, judges. But when we get to the story of Gideon, things had gone downhill for them spiritually and politically, as we talked about the Midianites. But in chapter 1, or excuse me, verse number 1 of chapter 6, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they finally called out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the Egyptians, and I delivered you from all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And it sounds like God's about to say, hey, you can call me all you want, but you got what you got, and you asked for it. But what he's actually saying here is, what you've just been through is me trying to get your attention, and now that I have it, I'm going to give you some grace. So the angel of the Lord comes in verse number 11, and sat down underneath the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joas the Aberzite whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Now you can imagine the surprise of having a heavenly visitor when you're already trying to hide, and he found you. And then he says things to you that seem really very strange. The Lord is with you, okay. And you mighty warrior, like this is the guy who's hiding. But so Gideon answers, he says, uh, pardon me, my Lord, but uh, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why are we being you know, traumatized by the Midianites here? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, hey, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. 
Am I not sending you? God didn't even bother to argue with him. He just ignored him and kept right on going. And Gideon speaks up again and says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. So this is the story that Gideon has been telling himself. I am the nothing. I'm the least of my family. I am a chicken. I'm hiding here just trying to feed myself and my family a little bit. And God's coming and saying something different. So who's telling the true story there? That's a good question, isn't it? But Gideon was living a story that most of us accept for ourselves. A story where we say, I could never do that. A story where we say, you know, I'm kind of incompetent. The story that's like, I'm really an imposter. If anybody ever really found out who I am, they wouldn't be impressed. The story of like, I would never try that because that would just be a disaster. And so many of us live that same story that Gideon was living, even though it wasn't a true story. And the Lord answered and said, I will be with you. And that's the second time he says that. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So what happens next in this story? Well, I'm skipping over a ton of details. But after a debate with God about whether or not he was going to do this and really whether or not he was the one who should do this, Gideon actually leads the Israelites, well, some of the Israelites, just 300 of them. He leads 300 into battle and he defeats the Midianites. And one of the great stories in scriptures in the next chapter, in chapter 7. And he becomes known as the greatest of all the judges of Israel. And he rules for decades. See, up to this point, his story has affected him. But fortunately, it hadn't ruined him. Because God stepped into his story and said, okay, we're going to let the past be the past. And it matters to who you are, but it's still the past. And we're going to let the future be something different here. And the future is what I have in mind for you. And so this morning, I invite you to that same point where Gideon was in his story. A pivotal moment where you say, okay, this is what my story has been up until now. But I wonder what my story could be from this point forward. Or, I wonder, God, what you have in mind for me. And it's the point where I want to ask us to stop being strangers to ourselves. To a point where we start to understand maybe all of these things that have been part of our story. God's been at work in those things too because God has something as we move forward here. And I want to challenge us to take that step. But what's the next step as we look at this pivotal moment? Well, it's simply to reflect on your story. And if you go back to the guide that you have here, reflect on the why. And it's taking time to understand just who I am. And so the point here is I take the answers from the review and I start to think about them to say, hmm, how has that impacted me? So here's some questions you can ask yourself. What have been the most significant factors that have impacted your story? And how have they formed you? How have they made you who you are? As you look back over your story, do you see any themes emerge? What are the moments and messages of your story that still seem to be with you? Whether consciously or subconsciously. There are things that I think are part of us that we don't even realize are there until we take the time to sit down and go, wait a minute, what's all of this 
in this review in how has it actually affected me? What are the biggest issues, challenges, internal conflicts that you're facing this moment? Do any of them have a link to the past or to any of these other factors in our story? How would you describe yourself as a person? How has your story shaped the view of you? And these questions are designed to help you work through the material that you developed when you reviewed there. And then you get down to number six, and I think this is so important. What have been your pivotal moments in life? What have been the events that have altered your circumstances? What have been the people that have redirected you? What have been the insights that have changed your outlook or your approach? What have been the decisions that have steered you in a new direction? But to actually think through those points of the story that impacted you significantly enough that it changed you or changed your direction and to be super aware of those. And then you get down to number eight. And this is really, really important. I want to encourage you to do this where you actually sit down with a pen and paper or if you're more of into the you know, typing on a screen, that's fine. But to start to work through some of these questions, both in the review and in the reflection, and start to formulate or to put down or to organize your story, and you have one. And to say, okay, these are all, I mean, it's like you have these piles sitting here, but that you actually put it into an organized framework. And you can do that chronologically, but your story may not be chronological. But the idea is to say, okay, what are the themes that I see? What are the lessons that I've learned? And to start to write out and think through your story. You can do it in a paragraph form. You can do it in bullet points. But to actually create your story from here to here. Now, when we do re-engage, this is one of the things that we ask our couples to do, is to sit down and to identify stories. And so we give them a worksheet. It doesn't look exactly like this, but it's a little bit of the same process. But to ask them to think through what happened in the past separately, what's happened in the past of your marriage together, and to come back and to share that with the rest of the group. And Kelly and I have been doing this. I think we're on our sixth group that we're going through this re-engaged thing. And this is one of my favorite things is when people come in and they share their stories. Because when they come in and they share their stories, there's like these aha moments that you can tell people have had. Because if they've gone back and looked at their story, they're like, oh. And they start to see this dot connect with this dot. And it's had impact over here on this dot. And you start to see their stories start to come together in their mind. And there's an understanding of who they are and how it's affecting the way that they live, especially in, in that uh, context, affecting their marriage. But we need to have this understanding of ourselves so that we can write a better story. And this is what... God was after with Gideon, too, to say, hey, Gideon, what you're thinking here in your story isn't accurate. Let's talk about your story a little bit, and let's give you a different mindset and a different mentality here. And that's ultimately what God does here. And so let's look back to the story of Gideon again, then, to see what we can learn that would be helpful to us as we take our story from here into tomorrow. First thing we can say is this, that your story is part of a bigger story. The story of Gideon is a story of God. This was the story of God delivering his people from the Midianites. Gideon just got to be a part of it. Sometimes we are like, oh, I'm not very important or whatever. You're correct. 
Because in the big story, you're just playing a small role, but a small role can still be an important role. And God gives each of us a role to play, not just in our story, but a role to play in his story. And God's still at work in today's world in big and small ways. And you know how he does his business? He uses people like you and you and you and you and you and me. And maybe not in spectacular ways, but in meaningful ways. And so your story, whatever, and some of you are sitting here is like, my story is not important. Oh, yes, it is. It's important to God because you matter to God. But it's important to God because God is somehow using you in what he is doing in this world as his followers and as a believer And so you need to see your story in the context of a bigger story because it is part of a bigger story. Secondly, your story is more about God then than it is about you. And this is important for several reasons. Sometimes, or one reason why it might be important to remember this is because you might be called to a cause or a job or a task, and you're like, oh, that's too much for me. That's bigger than what I can handle. That's outside of, of you know, what my <laughs> capabilities are. And that's fine, because if that call or that cause comes from God, then he's going to give you the ability to make sure that it happens, that it gets done. It's interesting, if you, as you look at Gideon's story here, in two different times, what does God say? Through the messenger, he says, I will be with you. And then he comes back and he repeats it and says, I will be with you. And this is the promise to Gideon, but it's the promise to us too, that when we step into our story and say, okay, God, what is it that you want from me? And what do you want to do with me and through me? And God says, okay, before we go any further, let me tell you something. I will be with you. So the question to us today is like, okay, what is it that we're shrinking back because we don't feel like we're big enough to tackle this? Or we're overwhelmed by this, or this is something in our lives that, boy, this could never change, and I've tried before, and I'm giving up here, where God says, hey, I will be with you. So your story is more about God then than it is about you. And don't lose sight of this when you're overwhelmed or defeated or unconvinced. God can help you get there. And just a reminder then that any success that you have in your life is not because you're awesome. It's because God is. And he gives us abilities and he gives us singing voices, and he gives us courage, and he gives us wisdom, and he gives us skills and aptitudes, and all of these different things, and and you can define them and describe them in so many different ways, but they all come from God, and that keeps us humble, but it also keeps us hopeful. But I think it's then that we need to see what God sees in us, and not what we see in ourselves. You thought about that? What does God see when he looks at you? And you're like, oh, he sees just the mess that I am. True. And he still is good with loving you and good with giving you grace, but he just doesn't see you where you are. He sees you where you can go. He doesn't see who you are. He sees who you can be. And your story then is about what God sees in you, not what you see in yourself. And it's not about even the story that maybe you've been telling yourself. 
Because what was Gideon doing? He was hiding in a wine press. And God's like, uh, mighty warrior. That's what he called them. And Gideon's like, who in the world are you talking to? And maybe as you're stomping around in your wine press, God's like, hey, mighty warrior. I've got something for you. Third thing here. Your story has far more potential than what you realize. The story that we often tell ourselves is probably not the real story. Gideon thought he was a fearful nothing. He was wrong. And we put far too many limitations and restrictions on ourselves that don't even actually exist. In fact, we are usually the first person to tell ourselves no. Because that's how we see ourselves. And we need to hear God's yes in our stories. Number four, your story will likely require you to leave your comfort zone. He had to get out of the wine press. In fact, he, God gave him a, a task to do that was pretty tough to get started here, but to build a little bit of momentum. But Gideon would never go back to who he was, but he was pushed into this place that I think he was probably uncomfortable to go. We like to go, or we like to stay, rather. We like to stay where it's familiar, because then I know what to expect, and I know where to sit, and I, I know where everything's going to be, and I know how this is all going. And so we, we look for the familiar, but the familiar is so limiting. Actually, the familiar gets kind of boring after a while. And God calls us out of the familiar, and God calls us into discomfort. And I don't know that I care for discomfort, but discomfort is better than stagnation. And discomfort is better than unrealized potential. And discomfort is better than wasted opportunities. And so maybe in your story, as you're reviewing your story, you need to adopt a new mindset to say, you know what? I'm going to leave where I'm comfortable here, and I'm going to step into something that's a little less comfortable because that's where the adventure gets better. And sometimes there's pain that comes with that, but the pain's going to be worth it. And sometimes the path may not make sense, but God says, hey, I'll be with you. And so you can lean into that. But the idea is that we step away from where we've been and go to a new place. We step away from even who we've been and move to a new person. Fifthly, your story here isn't as much about what you do as it is about who you become. Sure, Midian needed to be defeated and God was judging them for their wickedness and he used Gideon to do that. But Gideon needed to be challenged and grown just as much as Midian needed to be judged. So we could say it this way. Great virtue is actually more important than great victories. And sometimes we're like, okay, I've got I've to go tackle this great task or responsibility. And God's like, no, no, no. What I'm after with you is I need you to become somebody different from who you are. I need you to have more courage I need you to have more faith. I need you to have more kindness or gentleness. I need you to have, and that's what he's after in your life. And sometimes it's like, okay, what do I need to go do? The question needs to be, okay, God, who do you want me to be? And in the doing, the being takes place. 
And the last thing here, your story is waiting on your next step. Now, there's actually some time elapsed between the visit with Gideon and when he actually conquers the Midian, uh, Midianite army. And actually what happens in there is, is God says, okay, here's what I want you to do, step number one. I want you to take down your father's altar to Baal. It's kind of scary uh, to you know, go against your father and his worship practices. But it was the step that he needed to take in a story. And he did it under the cover of night. We still don't see a whole lot of courage there, but he did it. And one step led to the next step, which led to the next step. But when we talk about our stories, sometimes I'm standing here and I'm like, oh, I want to be all the way over there. Maybe we need to pull it back from over here and say, what's the next step that I need to take? And I'm going to move that far. And so your story then is not about the destination as much as it is about your next step and what you need to do to make it happen. Maybe you need to identify some goals and say, okay, this is the goal I'm going to pursue here, and this is what I'm going to do. Maybe you need to plan out the steps that will make something happen. Maybe you just need to do what you already know to do. Well, on the back of your little booklet here, there is what is called the pre-write. Anytime you're writing something that you want it to be good, you need to start by listing your ideas before you dive into writing. Well, here's the idea, too. If you can pre-write the rest of the story, what would it look like? So there's some questions to get you thinking here. So you're taking the review, you've taken your reflection, and you're like, okay, now what do I do with this? Where does the story go? Number one, do you sense that God is speaking into your story in any way or steering you in any specific direction? And that's a, story, that's a question you may have to sit with God and say, okay, God, what are you trying to show me right now? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to be? And to ask him that question if you're not aware of it. But is there anything right now, even as I'm talking, you're like, I'm not being super specific, but maybe God is in your situation. Number two, what is a or the story of you that you could tell yourself about the future? What I mean by that question there is, if you could step into the future and write your story, what would you write? You know, if you've got a blank page there, go ahead and write it. And maybe that's already what God's put in your heart, and that may reveal that to you. But then you start to think about the fact that I'm not just stuck here, but I start to think about the fact that I can do more, I can be more. That's what God's after. Number three, where do you see God-given potential that you have yet to realize or leverage? And it may be an ability that you have, or it may be an experience that you've had, something that you've learned, a lesson along the way. But what is it that God's already put into your story? As you look at your review and your reflection, what's already there that can be utilized and can be leveraged? Number four, where do you need to claim agency or authorship? See, as we get older, we start to realize that in our stories, we have the ability to make the choices to determine where our stories go. And they don't just happen to us, but that we actually can make them happen. And then that leads us to that step where we say, okay, I'm going to own this. I'm going to be the author of what comes next. Now, we're doing that in the context of I'm trying to follow God. I'm not off here on my own. But we have the ability to author our stories. So number five, what do you want your next chapter to be? What step do you need to take 
to move in that direction. As practical as I know how to make it. This afternoon, or tomorrow morning, or this coming week, what do you need to do? And then number six, how can this be a pivotal moment for you in your story? We've spent 10 weeks talking about your story. But my hope and my prayer is that you start to understand what it is, that you start to understand what has gone into it to make you who you are, but that you take from this, okay, I have the ability to write the next chapter. I have the ability to make some changes. I have the ability to to pursue some new things. Because that's what we're after here. See, I'm not just writing my story. I'm actually living it. Once upon a time, in a land not too far away from here, a baby was born. This baby was not anything exceptional, maybe just uh, ordinary. In fact, nobody ever noticed anything about the child. Compared to the other children, this child seemed quite ordinary. But this was no ordinary child, not at all. By and by, the child grew, went to school, learned to read, to make some friends, and even attended a few proms, normal stuff. So no one noticed, but they should have. In due time, that child grew up to become a person with extraordinary gifts, keen perceptions, significant impact, and the incredible power to change the world. This is the story of that person. This is the story of you. If that sounds familiar, that's where we started 10 weeks ago. The story of you. Write good things. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of choice. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to live out these stories. Stories that you've ordained for us. Stories that you've created us for. But stories that we have the agency and the ability to affect. And so as we pause this morning, I pray that uh, everybody's sitting out here. That this would become a pivotal moment where they would stop and say, okay. What is my story? What's going on? What have I learned and where am I going? God, I pray that you would bring to mind for every person who's sitting in this room an idea of where to go next. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, that's the next step because he wants to be with you and the only way For him to be with you is for him to come live with you when you invite him into your life. And you ask him to forgive your sins. And he can do that because he died on a cross for them. And when you ask him to to break the power of that sin, he can do that because he rose from the dead. And he can bring great power into your story because of who he is. If you've never invited him, I invite you where you sit this morning. The simple prayer, your heart to God. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to ask you to forgive me, come into my life, and change me, change my story, and he'll do that. Christ follower, you've already made that decision in your story. What's the next chapter? What is it that God's calling you to write? Will you commit that to him this morning? And so God, the story of us, 
continues on. I pray that you would encourage us as we go from here. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.